Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just fine. Live from the 215, I am your host, Kyle Pagan, with my main man, Mark Henry. Every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mark, are you buckled in? I need you to be buckled in. I got I got my seatbelt on. I mean, I have to like ignore sports when they're going on now. It's like last night there was so much going on where it's like, eh, Browns, Broncos, probably not. Like probably just not going to do it. So uh, it's it's crazy how much is going on in the world. I actually had the same Browns Broncos thought. Like, yeah, not just just not going to pay attention to this one. This one, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be mad that I didn't in July when we all we have is baseball. But uh, you know what? Thursday night football, Broncos Browns. You know, I might just skip that one. Maybe throw on something Netflix. Maybe you know, write some notes for this pod and whatnot. Um, are you buckled in though? I I didn't feel like a definitive answer. I need this Absolutely. before we go any further. Absolutely. Are you are you seatbelt in the car guy? Uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a psychopath. Nitsa, Nitsa got to you. Are you a, are you a seatbelt in the Uber guy? I haven't rode an Uber since pre COVID. Wow. Okay. A lot of people aren't seatbelt in the Uber, Uber people. Like that guy is not just a human being. Like I feel like when you get in an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi, you like automatically think like these people are professional drivers. They're, they're not They're They have the same problems. The guy probably just got high and decided to drive. That's a lot of Uber drivers, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I'm buckled all the way in. And uh, stop, we... trains can't. I've That's never heard I... that. You never heard that? No. That's like the Nitsa. The... Buckle up. You'll you won't regret it. <laughs> like, stop, trains can't. Stop train. Yeah, because they don't want you to try to beat that to try to beat the little slow train thingy and, uh... and get stuck. I just seen the Xing, the Xing signs. Um, <laughs> before we get into it, hey, we're sponsored by Taproom now. We've gone big time. Uh, you tired of paying Drizzly and GoFuffs ridiculous fees? I know I am. So you got to try Taproom. You know how Ben Simmons doesn't show up when needed? That'll never happen with Taproom because they deliver the drinks right to your door with none of those hidden service fees. If you're going down to the game tonight, if you need some beers for Sunday or some Saturday college football, or you're just having a party tonight and you want to uh, have the guys over, you're getting three cases. It's going to be $100. You might as well get $50 off, and you can get $50 off a $100 order or more with code FINE50. That's P-H-I-N-E 50. Go to pa.taproom.com. Get $50 off your first order. If you get your in your order in before 4 p.m. today, they'll get the drinks to you today. It's fast. It's in the description here, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast. All right, Mark. We're buckled in. And I don't think it's going to last four years. Hot take. (laughs) But I am happy to kind of have an adult in the room. I thank God every single day that we are dealing with Rich Paul versus Daryl Morey. Because it feels like if Elton Brand was running the show, and I love Elton, he was the whipping boy for... Uh, a whole year, year and a half, whatnot, admitted to it in the Inquirer that like, hey, you're going to be the fall guy. Josh Harris is like, hey, Elton, uh, if you just don't mind being the fall guy during the uh, during the years or the two years we need you, that'd be great. Um, but th- this would just be another Del Demps, Elton, uh, Del Demps, Rich Paul situation. If we, except we weren't getting 
multiple rounds and, and, and four players back that we could build around. Um, what do you think about this whole thing? I, I just, it was awesome. It really was. And it tells me how much lockstep they are in the organization between not only Josh Harris, but Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris probably was told about this. Doc, Daryl, how are we feeling? We're, 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 sorry, I keep asking you how we're doing, and then I go on a tangent again. We're, we're Kevin Garnett. We're loading up the nines. We're loading up the Uzis, the MAC-10s. We're ready for war. You know who the winner of today is? I'm excited. Who? Mike Missanelli is the winner of today. Yes. That I'm shocked Missanelli got that interview. I don't know how that happens. I wonder how the how that like how that conversation goes or how Daryl decides like, oh, this is where I want to do this. Maybe he trusts Missanelli to not kind of come after him in between answers. Uh, I'm not quite sure. He did still seem like he got a little annoyed with Missanelli. Throughout that interview, maybe he would have gotten annoyed at literally anyone Probably asking anybody. questions about this situation. Uh, but I, I thought it was interesting Mr. Nelly got that interview. But uh, Daryl did everything you'd want him to do in that interview. He said everything. I'm shocked him to you're, say. you're. I'm shocked you're very positive right now. I thought I was going to get a negative mark. No, no, Daryl. Daryl's a. I mean, Daryl's a savant. This is we have. We have an expert. Uh, they say it, it takes ten thousand hours, you know, to be an expert. At something, shout out Malcolm Gladwell. Even though Steve Nash is not from Nigeria, um, but the whole, uh, the whole Daryl Morey is one of three people I would trust in this situation. Maybe yes. four, like him, Masai, the Spurs GM, probably Bob Myers is out in Golden State. Like, I, you know, it's hard to to look at this situation and not be like thanking our lucky stars that Daryl Morey is the one at the helm here because he would have been traded for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald three months ago if we had Elton Brand or whoever it was. You don't think Tony DeLeo could have handled Rich Paul? <laughs> Tony DeLeo, head coach, uh, head coach GM combo, Tony DeLeo. Um, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes when a, a really – you know when you go to a when you go to a store and a salesman is just like really down your throat. That's how Mitch, that's how Rich Paul was at Mitchell and Ness. He's he's persistent. Uh, he's a he's a really good Jersey salesman, and obviously that is conducive to being a really good uh, agent. And he hasn't made any mistakes for Ben Simmons or anything like that, has he? He's handled this really well, right? He's read all the fine print. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it can't be said enough that we like you said. It's uh, it's a tennis match, and Daryl Morey's a big tennis guy. We have the advantage here, a- advantage Morey. Like he's we, a forty you know. love right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's embarrassing, and, and I I said it with Austin Krell on. Clutch has to be embarrassed. They have to be embarrassed because this interview was Daryl and Missing Ellie. To his credit, said it in the interview. This was Daryl grabbing a megaphone. And this was Daryl saying, hey, Clutch, you want to do this for four years? You mm-hmm. want you want to do this for as long as it goes? Now, do I think he should – I understand that's kind of what he has to do. Do I think that he should be driving such a hard bargain to get him to play? No, not necessarily. But I understand that that's kind of the posturing that we have to do, and they do seem to want him to play even if I don't. So whatever, we can disagree there. But a lot of people are harping on Daryl Morey saying role players. We can't accept role players. We can't trade Ben Simmons for role players. And that is making people think, oh, then only role players are on the table. I would caution people to listen to the rest of the interview and 
role players, I think, is an optimal term. I, I don't know if we even necessarily know what that means. And he also changed it pretty quickly back to difference maker. Uh, he went from role player to difference maker. And I think really what he was saying was they can't trade Ben Simmons for someone who's less of a difference maker than Ben Simmons. So if maybe, you know, he doesn't believe in Brogdon in that way. Obviously, Brogdon got signed. He can't get traded this year now. He probably doesn't believe in Halliburton that way. He probably doesn't believe in McCollum that way. So I understand if he doesn't think that those guys can bring a title, uh, then it doesn't really matter that Ben's sitting on the bench and doing nothing or sitting at home, hopefully, eventually. But it, there's no difference between that and making a bad trade that kills our chances at a title. So his best chance is to wait it out until someone else gets uncomfortable in another front office. Let's say that a team starts really poorly and someone that comes available that we don't even see. Let's say the Pelicans start 0-20. Zion? No, well, yeah, that's a maybe. four-year swap for a four-year <laughs> swap. But I mean, Brandon Ingram. You, you can, I'm not even like the biggest Brandon Ingram guy, but you, you maybe you get Brandon Ingram in a young piece, or who knows? It, you, Zion and Ben don't make a lot of sense, but who knows what happens? I just think that things move so fast in the NBA, and people get so disgruntled so quickly. There's no chance that by next off season, there isn't something that we can't see happening right now, and. You would have those young guys. You'd have Maxi, Thibel, Joe, all these guys to play and grow their trade value for when someone becomes available. So, to me, the the, the term that Daryl Morey used, where uh, it's you know, this isn't a distraction. Well, we're, we're fine waiting four years. Obviously, there, I think there's some tongue and some cheek there, um, but I don't mind waiting all year. I don't mind throwing this year away. I don't mind going into the off season and hoping something becomes available. Something will become available. It's it's nothing. The reactionary league. It's the NBA. This league. So I, I just I don't see a scenario where this doesn't work out for Daryl. I don't see a scenario where he unless the NBA forces him, which he touched on. Uh, they they asked him, and Mr. Nelly tried to corner him into into answering that. And Daryl smartly because there is it, it helps Daryl Morey zero point zero zero percent to admit that the NBA could potentially step in because what that does is it allows the teams that are currently offering for Ben Simmons to not increase their offers because they know the NBA is coming in to incentivize them to keep their offers where they are because someone will get accepted for a bad offer. So Daryl Morey needs to say the NBA is not stepping in. We're holding them for four years. Uh, Adam Silver's never even heard of Ben Simmons. Uh, like all that stuff. That's, that's what you have to say to get people to increase what they're offering right now and not just wait until, you know, the moment that the NBA deems this is embarrassing and we can't do this anymore. So, you know, if that's by acting like you keep him for four years and, and telling clutch to figure it out, that's how he's doing it. But that's the only way he can do it. it, it there is no benefit to Daryl to admit that there could be any, any NBA, any NBA intervention. 29 teams want Ben Simmons. We have to stop thinking that nobody wants Ben Simmons. If your buddy is telling you, get rid of him for nothing in role players, you you get that guy out of your, your friend circle. That's not a foxhole guy. That's not a guy who's going to have your back when the chips are stacked against you. We are in the mud. We are in the muck. We are going through barbed wire right now. When the going gets tough, they take their ball and they go home. Daryl's job is getting into the mud, getting into the NBA in 2009 as a guy with a, a computer science degree, trying to convince old heads that analytics belongs here. 
the China situation. Bringing in Chris Paul, James Harden deciding, hey, I don't want to play with Chris Paul anymore, and moving Chris Paul with that contract. Like, the mud is where Daryl was born. He was born in the muck. He was born in the barbed wire. He might not look like it, but he was. That's why he loves B-Ball Paul. That's why he loves Paul Reed. Get it out the mud. Yeah. Like, people that say he can't win in this situation, he's the perfect guy in this situation. He's always been counted out ever since he's been in the NBA. I do want to ask you, where does Star Hunter fit in between uh, role player and difference maker, do you think? Oh, are you you're referencing Brett Brown? I'm uh, not not referencing Brett Brown. We are we are star hunting. We are <laughs> we are star hunting. We are trying to grow a bomber. And <laughs> hey, Furcon Corkmas, here we are. It's but true. I, I uh, yeah, we are absolutely star hunting. We're we're pulling up Brett Brown. We're we're taking a page out of Brett's playbook here. But uh, like you said, the whole people are speculating whether or not Daryl Morey can win in this situation. Go watch Uncut Gems, and uh, you'll see the gif in it. This is how I win. That's how that's how Daryl is right now. It's just the this this is how I win. I I really think he's like I don't know. I, I do think he's exaggerating when he says like Oh, I don't. I'm not annoyed at all. Like I'm perfectly comfortable. Like you could tell in his voice that he's like I loved the one comment he made where he's like You know, if it, the whole joke that nobody wants Ben Simmons is pretty funny because he's a three time All Star. Uh, if you coaches, the coaches vote for the reserves in the all-star game. If you coaches who voted for him to make the all-star game suddenly don't think he's an all-star, I don't really know what happened. That was great. It, it just, it makes you think how much on a human level your brain doesn't work like their own worries. <laughs> it also makes you think like, holy shit, we were letting Elton Brand run this team for the last two years. He was we a were- fall guy, great fall guy. He was an idiot. If he was involved in anything involving Elton Brand, he or any involving, I see Al Horford's contract is the Elton Brand contract. So when I say, when I try to say Al Horford, Elton Brand's name just comes out of my head because that was the worst contract in NBA history. And the fact that Elton Brand wanted to give out the Elton Brand contract again, which already screwed us once to another old aging backup center. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never get over that. You're also contract. both bald, so I'm okay if you, you do. Yeah, that's true too. Fuck, I didn't even think about the baldness. Uh, the, yeah, I, I I can't stand Elton Brand. I couldn't stand Brian Colangelo. You look at what we've dealt with since Hinky has left in the front office, and thank God Daryl's here. Thank God Daryl saved the day. I remember after we got swept by Boston um, in the bubble. To me, and I said this a couple weeks ago on the pod, like, I can see myself hopping off of the Sixers bandwagon at any time, like, and just being like, fuck this. I'm done. They screwed me. I'm watching basketball now, and I don't care about any specific team. And uh, I really. Rob Lowe. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, just exactly. have the NBA logo head on. <laughs> Jerry West. I'm a big Jerry West fan. Um, but, you know, I thought I was there. Like, I thought after that Celtics series, I thought I was there. I thought Ben would be gone. I thought we would be not. I don't know. I didn't in think this random basketball purgatory. That's like, are we a four seed? Are we a fifth seed? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think we were getting off of Horford. I didn't think we were getting off of Josh Richardson. Uh, I didn't think that this team was going to be able to compete. I didn't think we were going to hire Daryl Morey. I didn't think they were going to hire Doc Rivers, which they didn't. But I didn't think they were going to hire Daryl Morey, which is the main thing here. And when they hired Daryl, I immediately bought back in. When they hired mm-hmm. Daryl, I was like, this is, this is the only move they could have made that would have gotten me back in because I trust Daryl to do this. Not only whatever the next movie makes, 
but down the line. And the fir- of course, the first two moves he made were exactly what I wanted. I-, I did a podcast last year. One of the first podcasts I ever did was after the Boston sweep. I I went through every team in the NBA and I did a trade on the trade finder with the Sixers. And the fir- like one of the first ones I did was Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. So mm. when that happened, I was like, I think I might be the GM and I don't even I'm know a it. So I, I was so happy with that. And ever since I've, I've fallen deeply in love with the Daryl Morey Sixers GM tenure, even though it's been a little rocky, but it was the only thing they could have done to, to bring me back in. And it's the only thing keeping me sane and confident right now in this, in this uh, front office and in the direction of the team. And hopefully, you know, hopefully he's able to figure it out. And I have full faith that he will, but it is definitely a unicorn of a situation, uh, something like he's never dealt with before. No, you're exactly right. I didn't even watch game four of that season. And I and I remember being down the shore reading about the coaching candidates that we had and just having zero excitement for next season or the future or the process or whatever. So the way I kind of look at it, if Sim, if Sam Hinkie died for our sins, Daryl Morey res- is part of the resurrection. And that's also like another perfect part of it. It's like, yeah, is he the best GM in basketball? You can make an argument, but maybe not. Maybe not. Like, so if they would have hired Bob Myers from Golden State, if they would have hired Masai Ujiri, it would have been like, oh, okay. They hired like a really good GM. They didn't hire the Lord and Savior of our franchise's father, basically. Like, well, we literally like, like, gee, they killed Jesus. We hired God. I don't want to get too, yeah, I didn't want to get too, uh, too, to uh religious here but that's exactly they murdered what buddha who's ever buddha's dad is we uh we hired we can get in all the religions muhammad whoever they killed muhammad muhammad's father is now i don't know about other religions i was a catholic <laughs> Some, i was gonna do something about caesar brutus something in there but i, I don't too. know what it is but i, I it, it's just fantastic that we have hinky's protege hinky built all of this we tore it mostly down and his father is here to pick up the pieces. That, that's that's really what it is. And I, I I'm sorry to to Sam Hickey for calling Daryl Morey your father, but he is. He's he he's is. your he's your analytic father. He legitimately burst. Whatever. <laughs> Sam Hickey. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about Simon the Savage. Um, what about her? Do you think he hurt his back in the in the gamer chair? I, I want to think like, does he think he can escape the booze? Like, do you no, think, no. man? You could escape the boos. We waited 12 months to boo Terrell Owens. We waited two years and J.D. Drew to get through the minor leagues to throw batteries at him. There was three years in between the 1993 World Series and the 1996 All-Star Game in Philadelphia. Joe Carter's the 96 All-Star Game. We waited three years to boo that guy. We will boo you. The boos are coming. The boos are coming whether they're tomorrow, whether they're tonight, whether they're the next day, whether they're a year from now, whether they're two years from now, whether you come back as a Portland Trailblazer or a Washington Wizards and you have back tightness every single game, you will not escape the booze. You will not escape the pettiness of the most petty franchise in the four major sports. So just take your take your medicine. Take your medicine like a man. I, I guess right now it's like 937 when we're recording this. Shoot-around's probably not till about 11. Like, what do you think they talk about in shoot-around? He's. I mean, he's, I still. I still don't think he plays tonight. Yeah, I think he's going to show up and say uh, that his back is tight and he doesn't want to play for a long time. And I, I did see someone. I think it was Harrison Sanford. Uh, I think that's like Danny Green's podcast partner. Um, I, I think he said he predicted that there will be an indef- indefinite suspension and a trade by January. 
Uh, I don't know if that is with any is is sourced at all. I imagine the source is Danny, Danny Green, but um, <laughs> so who knows? I, I don't necessarily know. I imagine he's going to come in and say, "Yeah, I'm not playing. I don't know who the fuck you think I am. I'm Simo the Savage. I don't I don't play basketball in Philadelphia." Do you think anymore. Simo sits on the bench? Probably not. No, right? no, yeah. no chance. There's a better chance he plays than he sits on the bench, in True. my opinion. I that think that would be even worse. That was a dumb um, question. I apologize. No, no, and I think I've heard it's not like it's not like it's not being suggested. It's I've heard it many places where it's like, oh, is he even going to sit on the bench? And it's like I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be he, in the arena ever. It would be dangerous if he's out on the bench. Like there would be. My girl, you think popcorn was bad? My More girlfriend actually brought that up. My girlfriend was like, "Yeah, I think it might be like a, like a safety concern for him to show up at the Wells Fargo Center." And I, was, it, I wanted to be like, "Oh no, not true, stop!" But that's not that wasn't the case. Uh, I I do kind of think that there is some safety concern there. And, you know, I think he's just as sure that the boos are never going to stop. And that's why he's afraid of the organized groups outside of Camden. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, there are dozens of us mm-hmm. dozens. Like I, I think that that's what I, he's afraid that no matter where he goes in the city of Philadelphia or the entire Northeast region, that there will be a, a horde of process trusting fans there and ready to, to, you know, cause harm to him bodily or mentally. Do you think Ben has a split personality? Like, to some days he comes in as Simo, other days he comes as in Ben. Like, was Tuesday, that was Simo the Savage. Simo the Savage showed up. Yeah, yeah. Before no, that, I, Ben. Ben was the guy, you know. I really don't think this is, like, that complex to me. Like, I don't think this is, like, Ben's changing his mind every day or he's got a split personality or, you know, I'm not going to diagnose or not diagnose Ben Simmons. I know that that's gotten some people in some trouble, but I, uh, I will say that I don't just opinion. Let me say that disclaimer, alleged opinion. I don't think he's got any issues. I don't think he's got any mental health issues. I don't think he's got any problems. I don't think he's got a split personality. I don't think he's, I think he's deciding on a day-by-day basis how he's going to go about it, and I think he's trying to run every play in the playbook to get his way and run out the clock until the the buzzer hits and he's traded. I think he's just going to try to run every play and so as for as long as he can to avoid the media, to avoid the fans, to avoid going to games until he can get traded, and then everything's going to be fine, and there will be no sign of a, a mental health issue or anything uh, with Ben Simmons or a back issue or, or anything. And, you know, a lot of people are going to focus on that. And that's going to be the entire focus of the situation where it's like, oh, Ben's just a piece of shit and Ben's a bitch and all that. Like, whatever. I'm at the point now, I'm not going to defend the guy. Like, I'm not saying any of that's incorrect or not true or uh, like whatever. But I do think that there's a degree now that you have to understand the situation that you're in, understand the situation that Ben has put us in and make the best decision going forward for the Sixers. Like people are so focused on the Ben Simmons situation and on uh, just criticizing him. But I do think that there is some blame to go to the Sixers for, you know, the comments, obviously how they've handled it in the media. I'm not not doing the comments thing. Find another, find another slant. That's not a slant to me. I, again, the comments, this, the comments are stupid. Daryl Morey, this like, goes, t- there were 10,000 comments that he made that were like pro Ben Simmons. And you that's know, you the point. Think one- that's, that's the point. If he had not made those 10,000 comments, 
then the one comment wouldn't mean anything. If he had been lukewarm all year long and then he made that comment, it's different. But when Doc basically tells you, like, I don't, I think you're a piece of shit if you don't think Ben Simmons is a top 10 player in the NBA and you should be kicked out of the state, this stadium and never cover basketball again. And you idiot fans don't know what you're watching and you better respect while you have it until it's gone. And then, oh, I don't know if he can be the championship player. I think that, I, I think that there's a chance Ben looks at that and he's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not the only person who lost this series. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not a major part. Definitely a major part. It's an accountability thing. For sure. For sure. And I'm not excusing Ben's thoughts here. I'm not excusing how he feels about it. But Doc Rivers is not without blame. And then uh, we said it. Doc Rivers interviewed the other day was insane. Doc Rivers going on first take was insane. Doc Rivers coming out after the game and shielding blame away from himself and completely onto Ben Simmons was just as insane to me. I I think Doc has handled this as poorly as humanly possible. I don't think we've done it. Why can't, and I know everyone loves it. Everyone loves Joel saying he doesn't care about that man. I I appreciate it. I love Joel more than any athlete that's ever played for any team I've ever watched. I, 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 he's the best personification of a team in the city that there could possibly be in Philadelphia. But Daryl Morey can't tell Joel to, to shut up. He can't tell Joel to to not come out and say he doesn't care about that man, that he doesn't want to play with him, and that all that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, we can't. There's nothing to be gained there. I get that it's fun. I get that we get to react to it. It gets a million views on NBCS Philly. Like, I, I get that it's a, a big deal, and Joel looks like the you know Jason Kelsey makes his comments. It's like, what does that get? I, I what, what's gained out of that? What's gained out of Jason Kelsey talking about it? Like, all of this stuff. Nothing. Well, Jason Kelsey, that's irrelevant. The Eagles aren't interested in helping the Sixers with their trade value. So Jason Kelsey, you're, you're excused. But Joel Embiid making those comments does nothing for anyone. It doesn't do anything, but this is a man who has gone from a pariah to one of the most beloved athletes of all time. Pariah is probably not the right word, but he's gone from a guy where it's like all he cares about is Shirley Temples and eating. He doesn't care about his body. He's lazy. He's fat, blah, blah, blah. He slows down in the playoffs to being a legitimate MVP candidate and and changing himself from what he was when he first came in where he, he didn't play for two seasons to, like I said, being an MVP candidate. And I just think it kind of just baffles him that Ben can't do the same thing. And I know all players aren't alike, but it baffles him that this guy can't shoot or this guy can't work on his offensive game or, and he sees a lot of things behind the scenes that we obviously don't see. I mean, he's, he's right to be baffled by all that. And I'll, I'll revisit the point after you make it, but he's right to be baffled by all of that. Where I think at some time and, and at some, at some point it was over, Right then and there, when Ben Simmons got suspended from practice. And it's now more over with Joel's comments, and it's now pretty much over with Maury's comments in a way. Um, not the, we wanted to bring him back, but I, I don't, I, I, they can't. They, they legitimately can't. Um, but the four years, we're willing to go this four years. That was, that was the declaration of war that Windhorse was talking about, that Windhorse thought yeah. he had. 
that was a declaration of war that I'm planting my flag in for four years. But- and I just think with Joel's comments that like, I don't know. I think it, I think he is in the right. I mean, I, I just, I equate it back to, you know, real life. And I know Daryl talked about it. Like sports aren't real life, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, man, at one point, when you keep doing the same thing, whatever the definition of insanity is, you keep trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. You're just tired of it. You just throw your hands up and you'd be like, dude, I got to focus about the guys that are on this team. He knew they're having internal conversations behind the scenes that Ben was probably never going to play. I think it was most, I would think it was just as much as a Sixers move to suspend him as much as it was a clutch Ben Simmons play to get suspended. They didn't want him ever in front of the media. They didn't want him talking. They didn't want another soundbite and whatnot. The best thing that could have ever happened was him agreeing to not go into that defensive drill. And I think at that point, Joel knows, hey, Joel, we're getting him out as fast as possible, but we can't get him out um, for nothing, for no pieces in your prime. Um, Yeah, I just, I, I, I know you're not burying him on the comments he made, and I really wish I had a better point for you, but... Yeah, I would have made the same comments. And I don't think I would have done anything for the for the trade value of Ben. Go ahead. He's 100% right in his comments. And like you said, he's 100% right to be baffled by Ben's lack of improvement, by Ben's lack of work ethic, by whatever you want to say. And he's 100% right to be like, I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more. Like, I, I get it. I completely understand it. And I, and I completely understand the whole and and he should have t- and he did touch on this a couple of weeks ago. But when Ben said the he doesn't fit with me as a player thing, that would have been the one thing I would have understood Joel coming out and being like, "Fuck you! I fit with anyone as a player. I'm a top seven player in the world, and I actually like have made adjustments to fit with you even better." So that was the thing that above all that I think Joel had the most reason to be upset with, and he has again. He should be upset. Like this is his guy that he was supposed to win titles with, and he's being a bitch. That's fine. Like you should be upset. Now, my point is, if you want to win titles, if your whole thing, Joel, is that you want to bring a title to Philadelphia, the best way to do that is to get a good trade, and the best way to do that is to maintain trade value, which he didn't do in those comments. There's nothing that can be said, and there's nothing that can be read in those comments that aren't, uh, you know, negative. But most people Prince agree and- with them. Most people around the league agree with them. They do. So like, but that's so, the problem. But this is also a Rich Paul thing where it's like, why isn't Rich Paul working the phones? Why isn't Rich Paul calling GMs being like, hey, I know my my one of my best clients, his trade value is in the shitter. This is just a play. This is just a, you know, we're just trying to get out of Philly. He's not going to come yeah. there and be a distraction. He's not going to come there and be mopey. He's not going to come there. He just wants to come there, make some mistakes, not get criticized about it and go from there. I don't think that tanked his trade value at all because I think there's I think there's 29 other teams that are agreeing with everything the Sixers are doing. Yeah, I think there are too. I, I do think that the comments hurt the trade value. I, I definitely do think the Joel comments did because it made it even more evident that there's no way we can bring him back. And Daryl wants to pretend like we can bring him back. And Daryl wants to pretend the whole four more years and eventually he'll play so he can tell people that, you know, we're not just – forced to trade him there's some incentive for people to offer more capital and that's why i have a problem i can't imagine daryl heard those comments and was happy i I can't imagine that daryl heard joel's comments and was happy and if joel's if joel's right 
and if Joel feels that way and the fact that he doesn't care about that man, then he shouldn't have said that. Because if he doesn't care about that man and if he wants him traded, then him saying nothing and him saying, well, you know, I'm just focused on the guys that are here and I just love playing with these guys and we go out to dinner now and Tobias Harris is a great guy. He does a lot for the community. Here's you see Cork- Corkmaz's hair. It's got great gel in it now. <laughs> but like all that stuff is fine. Just go out and say like we've really united together. Uh, I'm focusing on to see who's here. You don't have to say I do not care about that man. And I, it's like, I love him he, again. I'm not mad at tell him. A lie. He, he said it. I he said it. He said, I cannot tell a lie, man. I know. I, I, I'm not mad at him. Again, I want to say that I'm not mad at him, but I do want to say, you know, there's no use. There's no use to doing it. And I felt the same way about the doc stuff. And I do think, and I'm not going to say this as much for Joel. I, I'm not going to say this as much for Joel because I don't think he's doing this. But I do think there's an aspect of every answer on the team being kind of a little bit like, oh, I don't want people to remember how bad I was in the Atlanta series. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't want like Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Like uh, he's. I don't know if there's anyone more lucky on the face of the planet that Ben Simmons completely shriveled up into himself in Game Five and Game Seven than Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris played one of the worst games of basketball I've ever seen in Game Five. So, uh, and then you know Doc Rivers was the worst coach in the in the playoffs last year. Matisse Thybul. Uh, had a huge foul at the end of the game, which he actually credit to Matisse. He's the one I think I think it was on the JJ Reddick podcast. He was like, people are so caught up with that play with Ben passing it that people don't even remember that I fouled Trey on a three pointer that really hurt us. So good for you, Matisse. I respect you that you're not trying to shield blame away. Everyone else, and I don't think Joel's doing that because I don't really think he has to. But I do think there's an aspect of let since everyone knows that Ben Simmons' public perception is disgustingly low. It, no no one's public perception without a crime being committed has ever been this low across the NBA. So his public perception is as low as it's going to go. So I think Joel looks at that. Doc looks at that. Tobias looks at that. And they say, all right, so I can pretty much pawn off any of our failures and any of our failings over the last couple of years on Ben Simmons without saying that it's on Ben Simmons. And then everyone's going to agree with me, and I'm going to get treated like I'm a like like I'm absolutely a genius. And like all Jason Kelsey had to say was show up and play, and everyone was like, "What a what an absolute savant of thoughts to say if he plays good sports, then we'll like him." I, whatever. I, <sighs> deep breaths. But I, uh, you know, there is some there. There's some truth to that, though. The Jason Kelsey not comments. Really. Not yes, really. it is. Yes, there is. If no, there is. Should... There is truth. There is truth. If you're going to succeed at sports, we're going to support you. That's that's the truth. That, that's, if you want to say if you, you have to win titles and you have to do all this, yeah, that's probably what it is. If you don't succeed to the to the fullest of the extent, then you won't be. That's what was left out. Well, if, if you, you have succeed... an athletic if you have an athletic deficiency like Alex Singleton, then yeah, all right. Maybe we should have bury Alex Singleton. But like if you have an athletic deficiency like Furkan Korkmaz or or like uh I don't know, Georges Nyang. Like, no, but when you're like some like six ten unicorn Australian basketball player, yeah, I'm gonna need you to show up and play. I'm gonna need you to shut yeah, up yeah. and play. I'm gonna need you to develop a jump shot. I'm gonna need you to at least attempt jumpers. I'm gonna need you to at least attempt to work on your offensive game. This guy doesn't care about basketball. He cares about the spotlight, he cares about cod lobbies, he cares about dropping into Verdansk. That's it. That's all he cares about. He cares about the fame. He cares about the fortune. He doesn't care about basketball. 
And yes, the Sixers are totally wrong. There's such an accountability issue. They should have benched him. But then again, you bench him. How do you know this doesn't happen two years ago and he never signs his extension nah, yeah. and we get it for nothing? Like You couldn't have benched him. There is so much 2020 is hindsight that we're talking about. I understand you, you have to take what is now, but there is so much that went into this. And a lot of it is the damn Jonathan Gavini point. The, Don- the Jonathan Gavini scouting report is frightening how on-brand it is. And the guy's like, yeah, I've watched the guy since he was 15. Like, Jonathan Gavini hates Ben Simmons. Hates he him. still had him second, by the way, right? In his draft board. That's Did like the really? funny part of all that. I think he still had him right behind Ingram. Um, but Yeah, the Jonathan thing about, Gavini hates, hates I know. I, I know. Uh, so did Ton- uh, I'm not going to make the joke about Jonathan Gavini's appearance that I'm, I was going to make. So uh, I'll bypass that. Uh, he's not very good on television. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> the thing I'll Katie say about Nolan, Ben, Katie Nolan wasn't either, and they and ESPN gave her a million dollars a year. I, I don't know if I want to talk about people named Kate and how good they are on television right now in relation to the city of Philadelphia sports. <laughs> but whatever, I don't want to get canceled. So um, I I will say the whole thing about Ben Simmons, where it's like I wish he developed a jumper. If he did all this, we wouldn't be saying anything. I think there's a good chance. That if Ben Simmons was taking a couple jumpers a game and wasn't very good at it, and Ben Simmons uh, showed up to training camp and at, at, on the first day, I think we'd be having almost like eighty percent of the identical conversations. I think people would still be done with him after last year's performance. If he, I'm saying if he still played poorly in the playoffs last year, I don't think I, I know that we can build up a mountain of things that we're mad about, and it's like. Oh, all of this is culminating. I realistically think if we went to the third straight second round series uh, and lost and he played poorly, it didn't matter if he had, you know, the Ben Franklin, his the Ben Franklin, I, I, I messed that up. The art museum steps tattooed on his back with the, with the statue of the Rocky statue or Boathouse Row across his, across his chest. I don't think any of that would matter. He could have embraced the city to the nth degree. He could have busted his ass and shot the ball a little bit and tried to the nth degree. But if he had that shitty of a series that kicked us out of the playoffs for the third consecutive or fourth consecutive year, I think we still would have shit on him. I think he'd still be getting shipped out of the city. I think the fan base would still be done with him. It wouldn't be like, oh, we're going to kill him if he shows up and <laughs> safety concern for him to sit on the bench. Yeah, that it would, it would be different. It would be less hostile. It would be less angry. It would still be just as we need him to get out. And and it would be the vitriol but, wouldn't be as as high. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, if that. he would have worked on his game and stuff, the vitriol and and, and gone about it a different way, it would have been like, hey, listen. Like we would have, it would have just been like a, a thousand pound elephant in the room instead of as Mike Misnelli called it, a ten thousand pound ele- uh, elephant in the room. It would have been like, hey, you know, uh, maybe we couldn't trade him, but uh, we kind of need to get this uh, Ben Simmons guy oh, hightailed on out of here right now before we get to the playoffs. Um, I also, I also think that people forget how they reacted to that series. Like as soon as that series was over, we were all like, I mean, you did the video. We, I told everyone, you're an idiot if you don't think Ben Simmons is traded by October 19th. I was an idiot. I was the wrong one. I I, I was I on it. I, I was all over that you he are. was going to be back. You got that right. You got that right. I knew he was coming back. I just, it just, yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a weird situation where it was just like he tanked his draft value and NBA uh, GMs, they never want to give up what they think they, sh- they should have to give up for a quote unquote Star player, fringe all-star, all-world defender, whatever you want to call him. Um, all right, we just we just clocked in 40 minutes on the Sixers. Do you have anything else before you go? I like the way they looked against uh, the Pelicans. <laughs> we just, I didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even. 
<laughs> we just went 40 minutes without talking about the game. By the way, I actually think that that's the best Ben Simmons segment we've done on this podcast. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's like real tangible things because Daryl came out and talked. I, I loved – uh, I, th- this information gets me going now. The whole Daryl entering and D- Daryl saying four more years, muck, mud, and barbed wire. Oh. Like that stuff's fantastic. Like, when we were, when we were talking about Marcus Hayes reports and Keith Pompey pictures of the, the cars outside, I was, I was, I, I had a tough time with it, but this is great. I mean, this is, this is fun, especially now that there's basketball going on. So every couple of days you do get that little distraction away from it and then you're right back into the soap opera world so i I can deal with the ben drama a little bit better now that there's actual basketball going on since you know my hoop brain can can be can be satisfied over to the corner but really i mean there's not much to talk about in that game besides maxi and cork i'd say like everything else is kind of just what you'd think drummond was fun i guess but maxi looked like every bit of what you'd want maxi to look like in that game i mean he looked exactly like what you want him to grow into this year and for con cork mass who knew that all we needed was a more handsome Furcon to to elevate to a title contender. Mm, that 2019 team. Oof. It would have been the most handsome team in NBA history if Furcon had grown out the shaggy hair look, and oh. I think it would have fixed all the problems. I said to you, I think Furcon needs to know he's one of the three hottest guys on the team at any given time for his confidence mm-hmm. level. I think he needs to know he's one of the three most eligible bachelors at an at a road game. Uh, any so you know he just goes out there and balls and. That he balls, you know. I I think I think uh, I think Ferk needed to he needed to figure out this hair look in 2019 to save that team. If he stuffs that dunk, Ben Simmons is already traded for a star. <laughs> Maybe Furkan shipped out with him. <laughs> I mean, I I did I loved I loved it. I mean, they they got out to an early lead. Pels came back like you know no 20 point lead is safe in the NBA. They took their lumps, and they ended up winning by twenty with Joel on the bench. You know, I I, I think I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I was just like, "That is the the perfect first game on the road you would need from a team that has a ton of questions surrounding them." And I love that they're they're bonding together over their disdain for this whole situation with Ben Simmons. They're they're major league right now. They're the Indians in major league, except instead of like taking off like a a piece of like the owner's clothing. They're just like shaving money from Ben Simmons's contract. The 30 for 30 is going to be so good. But um, yeah. I, I mean, the galvanized, the way that this team is galvanized, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll continue to see it. I will say I, I felt really good about that first game in new Orleans. Like felt like a win felt like vibes would be high without Ben around uh, with Ben staying back in Philly. I don't feel good about tonight. Uh, tonight they're playing Brooklyn in Philly, the home opener. I, I don't know if Ben will be in the arena. I don't think he will. Uh, but obviously he will be around with shoot around today. And who knows what drama that will bring. And who knows what Woj and Shams will have to say. By the way, it's good to know Woj in Daryl Morey's pocket, Clutch and Shams mm-hmm. in bed together. So it's good to always know that. And I, I tried to, I've told people that throughout the summer, but um, so, so that's what's going on in the, in the news breaking world. But who knows what today's brings? I would say I would expect like a 25-point Nets win tonight. I, I'm not going to bet against the Sixers because I don't, but I, no. I would. This crowd is going to be on fire. This crowd is going to rally around this team. If they bring Jason Kelsey out to ring the bell, which they should. They should. The the whole the, – the fire that he, they like. think he's gone? I don't, he's think probably- they, I don't think they go until tomorrow. Really? 
Maybe they do. I didn't know if it was because it was. I didn't know if it's because it was Vegas and because it was so far away. I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But if they if they can get Jason Kelsey in, holy shit, that that place will crumble to the ground. It, it'll go nuts. It. And then Ben would be on the. That would be awesome if Ben actually did sit on the bench and and Jason Kelsey's taking the hammer and just looking at Ben the whole Plays time. Plays comments over the last week. <laughs> just staring him with those crazy Jason Kelsey eyeballs. Right at Ben as he's just hammering away three times on the bell and going nuts. My God, what a fucking legend. I'm going to miss that guy. My girlfriend asked me, is he still dating that girl uh, from Wimbledon? Yeah, Maya Jama? Yeah. She's cool, Mama? I knew you'd be up on Maya Jama. I I didn't know the name, Um, but they still together? They still, how does she feel about this? All signs point to uh, point to yes. I love the whole Adele situation. There was a meme going around like, oh, honey, look, there's your client. or That was a terrible British accent. But like, there's your, hey, Richie, there's your client that won't shoot again. Um, I, yeah, I mean, they're still together as far as I know. I mean, my note, my note to Ben Simmons is never mind. I'll find someone not like you. Oh, man. Rumor has it. <laughs> um, All right, man, that was a. That was a long conversation about about the old <laughs> 76ers with two minutes on actual things that matter. Um, all right. Eagles play the Raiders. Eagles are at minus or Eagles are at plus three. Some shops three and a half. If you can still get that. The total has not moved. It's just stuck at 48 and a half. Uh, they, the Eagles begin the easiest stretch for the rest of the NFL season over schedule. Uh, Nick Sirianni. He said he watched football during his mini bye week. What game did he watch? He watched the Jaguars versus the Atlanta game. Didn't watch, you know, Derrick Henry run all over the Bills. Didn't watch the Colts, his old team scheme, you know, get some screen passes going for 75 yards, scheme to get uh, uh, some deep ball guys open and whatnot. He watched the uh, he watched the 930 a.m. London game. What did he take from it? That quick slant play at the end of the game from Urban Meyer. So if that means anything. The Raiders have the 25th worst rush defense, but doesn't matter. We're just going to run quick slants all day. Quick eight-yard slants. Did he Did he say he didn't watch football the rest of the day? No, he said he watched football, but the only one he talked about was the 930 London game. I was going to say, like, Tom Brady was watching Red Zone all day the other day. He was posting snaps of it. Sirianni better be crunching film and watching actual offenses that make any sort of semblance of sense. So, yeah, I feel good about this game. Uh, and it's more, it has a lot less to do about the Eagles than it does with the Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders had that huge, huge, huge bounce back spot last week after two losses in a row. Your fo- your racist coach gets fired. Emails are everywhere. Uh, you bring in Rich Bisaccia, who's like a 50 year uh, coach. He's been around the NFL since the since like the 70s, whatever. I, I mean, it was like so odd. if you didn't bet on the Raiders last week, you just. I'm sorry, you missed the boat. You don't. You, you you haven't you haven't seen this enough. And maybe if you're young, I understand it. If you're a, a new gambler, I understand it. Next time you see a coach fired, bet on the team. It's how Detroit it works. Lines effect. Exactly, exactly. The yeah, it's it's a hundred percent a real trend. And another hundred percent real trend is what happens the game after that usually, and it's a letdown. It's a letdown spot, and I think that they are going to have a huge, huge letdown spot. I actually think the key to this game is early what happens early in this game i think the eagles are going to have a good first quarter for a change i think we're going mm. to get up 10 14 nothing and i think that's the key to the game i think we have to get up early and force them to play from behind force them to be one-dimensional on the on defense force them to pass a ton which they want to do anyway uh but i think that they're going to have to 
to you know get get it in get it in early and not fall behind to win this game. And I think they will because I think the letdown spot's coming. I just don't think the Raiders will be able to get up for a home game here after last week, you know, blowing out Denver on the road, coming back home. I, I like the Eagles a lot. Um, and if they lose, I will officially, you know, start to panic a little bit. Hmm. You'll grab your pitchforks. Yeah, I'll I'll grab it. I'll get it out of the garage. I'll get it ready. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree 100. Are we going moneyline birds? Yeah, yeah. I have plus three and a half from earlier this week. I'm sure I will uh, line shop and try to find where I can get the best money line. Um, but yeah, I, I like plus three and a half. I like money line. They are one of my, I think I have five or six picks this week. It's pretty pretty hard card to pick from, I think. So they will be one of the picks I make for sure. Yeah, Mark Davis will be eating P.F. Chang's like he does after every loss. Come you said you asked me uh, what do Lurie and Mark Davis talk about? Was there some was there some leak that they were they were together? Was there a picture or something? No, I just always kind of curious what people talk about when you have billions of dollars. Well, I guess actually only Mark Davis is worth five hundred million. Um, yeah, I think Lurie thinks Mark Davis is a loser. If we're, if we're being yeah, honest, yeah, he's he's the poor he's the poor owner. It's got to be really awkward going into uh, the owners' meetings if you're Mark Davis. Where it's like, yeah, you're the not only the poorest of all the billionaires there, but you're also just handed the team from your father. Not that like Dean Spanos wasn't handed the team from his father, but like guy never worked in any positions. He was like friends with the players. I, I kind of feel like he I I agree with you that you have to feel weird if you walk in, you're Mark Davis and you're the poor guy. I don't think he feels like that though. Like I think he's walking and he's like, What's up, guys? Like, <laughs> what's up, Jerry? How you doing, Mr. Jones? Like I think he's like thinks he's runs the place. Like I think he thinks he's like best friends with everyone. And as soon as he leaves, like Robert Kraft turns and like, Can you fucking believe this guy, Mark Davis, coming in here with his goddamn haircut and PF Changs? That's true. They did all like all the owners mostly worked for their money, and like Mark Davis is just like What's up, guys? It's a real like Tommy Boy situation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Mark, sure. I mean, Al Davis dies, and and Mark Davis gets the uh, gets the team. But I mean, he's definitely the the the, the best owner to party with. Like, there was an no SNL. There's an SNL sketch about the Raiders. I don't know if you saw it. I'll, I'll send to you after. Um, they did. Uh, they had someone play Mark Davis, uh, and it was very funny. Like they, the haircut was very very funny. They they had uh, like someone play Gruden. Terrible, terrible Gruden impersonation by whoever they got uh, on SNL. Just an absolutely terrible job. Uh, and they kept making it seem like every – they would, like, bring in a new head coach and they'd be like, well, they just found my emails too. And, you know, they're way worse than Gruden, so I have to get out. Like, they did, like, Pete Davidson. Whatever. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, and then they, the fact that they had Mark Davis with that haircut in it made the, ske- made the sketch. He goes 400 miles for that haircut. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's insane. He goes out of his way to go get that haircut where he could just put a bowl on his head and just cut around it. Um, all right. Getting into the game. Yeah, they're um they're a big explosive play team, the Raiders. They lead the league in explosive plays. Somehow, not really somehow, but we have, according to PFF, three graded top 25 cornerbacks. Which I'm not surprised. I've been very impressed with Devontae Maddox. Obviously impressed with yeah. Slay, Steven Nelson as well. So like I think if we can kind of limit the explosive plays, if we can if we can limit Max Crosby, that's where I think the key to the game here is. I love the Derek Carr, the car bomb, where he's he's got pressure in his face and he throws off his back foot. He did it like a couple times against Denver last week. He could afford that. They were up like 30 to to to, to three at some point. Um, but this is, we're, we're good for one Derek Carr car bomb. That's like, just is basically a play, a, a punt on like yeah. third and third and third and six. He sees Henry Ruggs has a step. Fletcher Cox is in his face. 
he launches the ball deep and it's intercepted by Avante Maddox or, or Marcus Epps or, or uh, Ronnie McLeod. Um, yeah, I agree hundred percent with you on the, on the whole thing where like this, this four and two team is, is, is the weirdest four and two team. They're not a good four and two team in my opinion. Um, they came out on fire and this is just an ultimate opportunity for a letdown game for them to start slow. That's really all I really have. And I think also the Eagles are going to rally behind Lane Johnson. It's going to feel like a home game with the crowd. And we're on to Detroit. I think we have the better team. I think Derek Carr and Darren Waller are two of the better players on either team, though. So that, that would be one thing I'm concerned about. And Darren Waller scares me. I would if, if I was a fantasy guy, I'd play Darren Waller in every single league. Yeah, DFS out not there. That you're, you're, not that you're, you're, yeah, not that you're not playing Darren Waller. Yeah, no, I I meant it like a DF. If you, I mean, it works for DFS, don't you know? You're 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 a big daily fantasy guy. Don't let the people. Yeah, you, I know you hide it from the people, but yeah, uh, no, I, I uh, Darren Waller is someone that's going to just torch us, I think. And if we give the whole ten to fifteen yards that we seem to have been giving, Darren Waller is going to have two hundred yards in this game. So. I do hope that they're able to limit big plays while not necessarily giving them 10 to 15 yards of play. Uh, so that will be something to watch. And they've done a good job against tight ends besides Dalton Schultz. Um, so I guess that that is something to look at as a positive. They did a pretty good job against Kittle. They did a really good job against Pitts. I think there's even another pretty good tight end that they did a pretty good job against them. Kelsey. They did Kelsey. a pretty good job against Kelsey. Yeah. So they've done a good job. But Waller is a little different than all those guys even. I guess he's similar to a Pitts a, a little bit, uh, but he's probably even faster. Uh, Waller is a freak. I mean, this guy is just an absolute freak, and he can do it all. He can get, he can burn you deep. He can soar in the end zone. He can kill you on third downs. With, he can beat with addiction. Touchdowns. He can beat addiction. That's the, hey, that's God's toughest battle. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, he's, man, he's an absolute stud. And I remember when he was like a like I remember when he was like a not a rookie like a like a sleeper. Then he was like, oh, this fun story and Darren Waller. Maybe you draft him as a backup tight end, or you draft him if you're waiting on tight end. And it's that like, was the hard knocks year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always like, oh, that never works. Like he's yep. not going to be a tight end of any. Yep. Like he's not going to be anything special and fancy. Him and Logan Thomas both turned into studs in the same year. It was the first time Hard Knocks had a feature on a guy who was like an underdog that he actually didn't get cut like the third episode. Remember the guy with the stones from the Browns? Oh, I hated that guy. This is the stones guy. Devin Kajust. Devin Kajust. Yeah, remember Devin Kajust? And then this year, who was this year? It was the Cowboys. It was that guy that who was... um, he was uh, from Mexico, and they also I had a guy who was from Germany. And I think the Germany guy made it, but I, I think the Mexico guy is on like some certain like list where it's like you can keep one international player. Isaac Alarcone. I can't remember if he made it or not. I think I was yeah. the Mexico guy. They've never Hard Knocks has never had the underdog has never made it. The underdog what's always your, gets cut. What's your favorite Hard Knocks moment in history? Mine is Joe Philbin having to tell Chad Ochocinco that he had to cut him because he headbutted his wife in the car. <laughs> Uh, Vontez perfect or not Vontez perfect. Um, uh, Vontae Davis getting uh, traded. I just want to call my grandmother. I just really want. It's like, well, can it's like, hey, this really hasn't hit the papers yet. I watched it the other day. He's like, uh, this hasn't hit the papers yet. So before you you call grandma, like we got to talk some business first. Like you're gonna get on a plane and you're gonna go to. I think they traded him to the Bills or something or wherever they or Tennessee. Um, yeah, that was all. She's like, I just, I just want to call my grandma. <laughs> and the look on on Vontae Davis's face, like. He just it was very sad and not surprised he retired at halftime. Cromartie, the kids, dude. the kids, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Let's get a that. fucking snack. 
Oh, the Jets. Yeah, the Jets season's probably the best one of all time. They uh, waiting on Revis the whole time. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, that was the Revis year. Um, if you get a chance, watch the uh, Ravens one from after they won the Super Bowl. Sh- uh, Shannon Sharp, Tony Saragusa, uh, a, a rookie Ed Todd Reed. Heap, Ed Reed, um, Murder McAllister, Kevin McAllister. Uh, not Kevin. Was it Kevin McAllister? Who's the cornerback? Kevin McAllister is a is the Home Alone kid. Is the Home Alone kid. Um, <laughs> there was and, and even Brian Billick. Um, so many, just so many characters on that team, and it's like it's where like obviously football was back in the day football before we knew like content was going to become king and you could make like millions of dollars off of your your likeness, I guess, in terms of video and and profit there. Um, yeah, Shannon Sharp, Tony Saragusa doesn't give a fuck. And it's yeah, just it's like, like cancel kind of, culture. It's kind of a refreshing to see. Yeah, like, you ever go into like a bar, you ever go into like a dingy corner bar and you just like, you kind of just want to see how like the old school used to be a little bit. You just want a taste of it. Like you're not going to participate in the conversation. You just kind of want a taste of what it used to be like and stuff. And you're like, okay, I got my my sexism, my bigotry out of the way for uh, for another whole year. Yeah, I mean, I worked at a bar in Coatesville and that a lot of town you okay. went to. So, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You've seen it then. You've seen it. I've yeah. seen my fair share. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go back to uh, McGillan's and, and Ladder and, and and Garage and all that and, and fraternize <laughs> with the with the normal people. I don't need yeah. to be with the uh, the old school Italian neighborhood anymore. Um, <laughs> Derek Carr blocks a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, big blocker. Not- not Big Ben bad, but they're like calculated blocks, like beat reporters, some national guys, other guys that are like other players. PFT for part of my take is blocked. Probably. He doesn't want to see the negative stuff is what he says. I mean, that's how can you look at that guy if you're a Raiders fan? And that's like, that's my franchise quarterback. Like if if Jalen Hurts saw that, he would just add like he would just add like two more two more plates to the squat rack and just get a, and go for a PR. Like, well, you say he's your franchise quarterback because he's awesome. That's why I think he's just so good. Um, he's he's a polarizing quarterback for a lot of football, for a lot of uh, pig heads, for a lot of pigskin heads. Yeah, I've I've actually been I've been a Derek Carr guy since before it was cool to be a Derek Carr guy. Or he was I guess in a I should say, season before he like basically shattered his leg. Yeah, I should say after it was cool to be a Derek Carr guy, but before it was cool to be a Derek Carr guy again. It was in that in-between period. Then he cried. Kinda, yeah, yeah, the crying era. People gave up on Derek Carr after that leg injury and a couple of rough years. I was so impressed with Derek Carr last year. I thought Derek Carr had such a good – I think they only went like 8-8, eight and eight, but I thought that that team sucked. Like I thought that he did an amazing job. I mean, Henry Ruggs is turning into something, but besides Henry Ruggs, he's like never played with a good receiver in his career. It's a shame yeah, Antonio Waller. Yeah, but Waller, yeah, that's yeah, fair. It's definitely fair. Um, Darren Waller's a great tight end. Um, but like in terms of like a wide receiver, he hasn't he hasn't had one. Uh, it, it is a shame that Antonio Brown uh, went literally insane, and you know the helmet thing. But you know, hey, maybe he was correct. He Gruden's Gruden's out of the league before AB is, so who knows? But AB uh, he got his way. He went to Tampa. He won a Super Bowl. I don't think AB's too upset with how uh, his time in Oakland went down, but I'm sure Derek Carr is because he has never had a receiver. Uh, and I think that that should be factored in. I, I've always said that Derek Carr and Lamar Jackson are the two like great quarter, good to great quarterbacks who have the least help in the league. So when Aaron Rodgers comes out and is upset about his situation, and Russell Wilson comes out and is upset about his situation, I'm always like, what? 
what the hell guys like go go play and go play with go play for the raiders go play for the ravens with their with their talent around them jordy nelson he had jordy nelson for a little bit he had washed jordy he had washed also i kind of feel like jordy nelson was never that good that's one of my like long-standing oh. football takes i feel like he was like pretty good and had aaron Rodgers. he had amari cooper that's a good argument. He hasn't Michael had a Mark Cooper. Michael Crabtree's not that good, but he hasn't Michael had. Crabtree had that one year. Yeah. Then he got yeah. his chain snatch. He lost all his powers. I feel like he, his height of his powers is in San Fran, but um, I would say that Amari Cooper didn't develop into exactly what they wanted him to in Oakland necessarily, but Amari Cooper is a good player. He's the best player Carr played with. and But how long? He's been on Dallas a while now, right? I mean, in 2016, him and Crabtree both had over a thousand yards. Yeah, I mean, but neither wow. of them are like we're like top ten, top fifteen guys. I don't think. I, I, what would? Uh, how long ago is Cooper? When when did he go to Dallas, Cooper? Uh, eighteen. So he's been. This is his fourth year in Dallas. Yeah, this is fourth year in Dallas. Wow, that feels like it's been like a decade that he's been. Remember, we all right? made fun of him because he gave up a first round pick. That was uh, yeah, probably like a fair trade. Yeah, well, looking back on it, but we all just crushed whoever was the GM there for giving up a first round pick for. Uh, well, yeah, but he also he also hasn't been so good that you can kill the Raiders for getting a first round pick for. Him. I don't know who they drafted. You can kill them on who they drafted. Also, sure, they traded but... Cleo Mack, so like that didn't even matter. That they... Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Um, anything else on the birds? You feel pretty good, money line birds. I feel like we do this every week, convince ourselves into talking about going birds money line, but I actually feel good. I actually feel good about. It. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say it on the Chiefs, Bucks, or Cowboys games. But All every right, other so game the fringe I had. games, the fringe games. I, I actually said I'm, on the Cowboys games. You did say that. You did. I think I'm. What am I at this point betting on the Eagles? Uh, what are they? Two and four. So I'm two and one because I didn't bet on them those three games. I ha- I did bet against. I bet on them against the Falcons. I bet on them against the Niners, and I bet on them against the the Panthers. Uh, so I'll do it again the next two weeks. I'm sure. All right, let's get into the skydiving picks. The record right now, you're 14 and six. I'm six and three or 13. Um, if you want to add in a fourth pick this week, you can. I do want to muck it up with you a little bit. So I do have a fourth. So I'll get to that later. I, I noticed that I am, uh, you're a professional. I am not. So I'm kind of at a disadvantage. So I know the only way that I have to like even have a chance coming down the, down the pipe, I got to muck it up a little bit. I got to go through the mud. I got to go through the muck. I got to go through the barbed wire. So this is what I'm going to propose to you. I'm actually going to go first with this one. Oh, I'm sure I'm I, I'm sure I'm going to hate this. I'll give you the over under of one and a half of Eagles Raiders fan fight videos on no, Monday. I'm not doing your games. You have to beat me. I'm not skydiving because there was a fan fight video that went viral. You got to beat me fair and square, Kyle. I'll let you chew on it. I'll do my first pick, <laughs> and then I will come back to you at the end. No, it, it upset me greatly when you gained a lot of grish. By the way, Kyle read the record there is 14 and 6, 6 and 13. One of those wins for him and one of those losses for me is a Nick Sirianni highlighter bet. So I'm staying away. I have from, to muck it up, Mark. I'm staying away from the muck, the mud, and the barbed wire. I'm not Daryl Morey. You probably want Ben traded for a couple role players. <laughs> All right, first one I got, Eagles plus three and a half. I like the money line, but I'm, uh, I don't really want to go skydiving, so I'm going to go Eagles plus three and a half. I'm taking the points. Uh, the underdog is covered in every Raiders game this year. Ten days to prepare for the Raiders in a letdown. I love it. 
I'm right there with you. I got the Eagles nah. plus three and a half. Uh, I, I mean, I, I said it before. I said it again. This is the perfect letdown spot in the history of football. Like, I, I can't say it enough. Rich Basaccia is not going to it's not going to coach circles around Sirianni in the same way that Andy Reid and Bruce Arians <laughs> did. I, you know, this is this is more of like a Mike McCarthy game. Uh, you got you do have someone on the other side that I, I don't feel very good about. Uh, making decisions for the Raiders. So I do think that that will come up to, to kind of bite them. I know Greg Olson's calling plays over there. He's been a pretty bad offensive coordinator in the past. Uh, uh, it's also funny, like all these guys that are coaching for the Raiders are like lifetime Gruden guys. Like it's kind of funny, like Greg Olson has been the OC for Gruden for like three decades. Like Pasashi has been a, a coach with Gruden forever. It is kind of weird. Like I, I'm doing this whole, like the whole team hates Gruden and they're fighting against them thing, but it's like, all the coaches are probably like texting him after. That is true. Where it's like this, they, they just grinded with Gruden for like the last like ten to fifteen years. They probably some of them probably won a Super Bowl with him and whatnot. And he's like brought them up through the ranks, and they're like, "Yeah, he's a bad man." It's what? and they're probably texting him on the side like, "Coach, I'm so sorry it happened to you. It's bullshit what happened to you." Hopefully, they don't find my emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coach. By the way, do you mind deleting those emails between us from <laughs> uh, five years ago after that night at Hooters? <laughs> uh my next one i love this one uh, i love all my bets uh patriots under 43 it's a little lowest total on sunday i just don't believe the jets scoring points bill belichick's 21 and six against rookie qbs for a reason the defense is going to frustrate zach wilson they'll probably run the ball more because they'll be up i like it under 43 so it's funny i'm not picking the under 43 i do have jets under 17 and a half on my card um i, I think jets team total under is a way to go uh they are not going to score 18 points uh, against New England, but I will go with I feel like Vegas has not, has not capped this game. Well, no, I don't think so either. I'm, I'm in this game too. I like New England minus six and a half. Yeah. I love New England to win this game by a touchdown or more. They won 25 to six in New York in week two. This game's in New England. Uh, And I, I'm the person who was not very high on how New England looked last week, but I still, you have to be confident in them against the jets. The jets are terrible. I know that they were on a buy, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe Vegas is building in some of that rest equity, some of that rest disadvantage. I don't know. I, I'll I'll ride with the Patriots. I'll ride with Belichick. Now, if they don't cover the spread, if they don't win this game, then I am going to skewer the Patriots on every podcast next week. Like, if, if you're not able to beat the Jets in New England, like the, the dynasty is officially over. The era is over. I mean, it already is, but like uh, there will be some serious questions to be had, and I might even talk hot seat. Oh. Well, Bill's going to have to resign himself. Yeah, I know. I know. He's, he's, on, he, he's on his own hot seat if he loses yeah. to the Jets. This week. <laughs> he's going to fire himself. He's applying pressure to his. He's like, <laughs> he's, he's putting up the, the temperature. Uh, my last one. This is my Bobbit bet. If I was uh, have to uh, risk my bet or risk my dick, I would put it on the line for this bet. This is my, this is the Bobbit bet. I should probably find out what the, uh, the, the record on Bobbit bets are. Um, I think I'd be losing my dick a couple times. But anyway, KC minus five. I know you hated this game. I don't know if you still do, but there's nothing better than fading the public dog. And the Titans are the most popular public dog right now. The Bills dominated the Titans. They dominated them. If it wasn't for the big balls of Sean McDermott, which I loved it, analytics. I know people are making fun of him. He's the only coach to ever go for it on fourth and one at that under a minute to go in the red zone. I don't care. 
or down three. The Bills dominated the Titans. Caleb Farr is out for the season. The Titans secondary and line are banged up. Terry Luan's probably not playing. Chris Jones is back for the Chiefs. They also get uh, Tradavius Ward or Caradavius Ward, uh, a cornerback. So there's a cornerback back now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not like I'm I'm a, I'm not a tape dog, so I don't know what he's Tardavious, like. You're right. He's a good player. Uh, but the Bills went also two and five in the red zone. Chiefs aren't going 40% in the red zone. I love this. They did. KC minus five. It did against Washington. I don't know if it was two or five. It's a good defense. They were, they were disappointing in the red zone. Uh, I was surprised that wasn't the over. I thought you were going to go over in Washington Green Bay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not taking high. that this week. Yeah, it did get high. Uh, I'm not taking that this week. Um, but I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide which one I want to do here yet. I'm going to go Falcons minus two and a half. Um, I like the Falcons a lot here over the Miami Dolphins in Miami. Road favorites off of a bye are 64, 33, and 22, hitting at a 66% clip against the spread since 2003. Uh, Miami has been outgained by 128 yards per game so far this year. Atlanta has been outgained by seven yards per game. Uh, I think Atlanta is a bad team. I think Miami is a really bad team. Uh, and when I can get the bad team coming off of a bye, going against the really bad team, coming off of a, a loss where you had your heart ripped out of your chest in London, uh, I love the Falcons here. Falcons minus two and a half. If Arthur Smith can't cover, he's a fraud. Oh, by the way, I do want to. I do want to say I don't know how I feel about you betting on Patrick Mahomes. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. <laughs> That's fair. The, I have eight years for that take to come true. Okay, doesn't mean <laughs> so this I week can't. You're putting bet. it on ice. You're putting That's it on fine. ice this week. <laughs> if he if he if he doesn't cover, hot seat. It's it's going to be warm. On Monday. Um, all right. Last one for me. Over under on Eagles Raiders fight videos on Monday. Um, now it has to be a legit video where punches have to be thrown and it has to have over 5,000 views to count as a fight video. Now, Mark, I don't want to call you a pussy, but you're a pussy. If you don't do this, you're up eight games. You're up eight I'm games. Pussy. I'm you're pussy. a pussy. I'm a pussy. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm big pussy from the Sopranos. Where, if you know the people are interested, where would you lean? Over. See, I like the under. Fights. Uh, there, there will be fights. I like the under. No, because this is this is going to be a whole thing. What what constitutes a viral fight? I just video? told you what constitutes a viral fight. Punches have to be thrown. It has to be over five thousand views. I'm staying away. You can put the under on your card, though. I'll allow that. I think you should take the over. You like the over. Muck it up a little bit. I don't actually like the over. I'm forced. I'm not going to sit here and not say anything into a microphone. Welcome <laughs> to the mud. I don't want to do it. I Welcome want, to I the barbed wire. Welcome to the mud. Welcome to the muck. Just come on. You're up eight games. I think it makes it perfect. Yeah, but I want to pick three games. I, I think it makes it perfectly fair that you need to make an extra pick. So you go with the under. I'll leave it off my card. I'll root for the over. I'll root for fights. But I'm not going to put it on my card. This is like a tie. It's like kissing your stepsister. <laughs> if your stepsister so, is, is dressed in uh, silver and black. I'm going to call an audible here, I think. Uh-oh. Wait, 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 wait. Never mind. I gave three picks. Never mind. I don't have to. <laughs> I thought I had another pick to give. Never mind. I gave yeah. three. I know you're always chomping at the bit to, to tell anyone you can pick-wise. Give me your best college football bet. Uh, my best college football bet, it's weird. Like, I actually like a bunch of bets. I don't have one. Usually I have one college football bet that I'm like, oh, Iowa's going to be Penn State. Like, what about the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game? That's my bet that I will go with, though. I'll go with Oklahoma State plus seven and a half. I Iowa State, I think 
everyone that's on Iowa State is going to be so oh, the public loves Oklahoma State. It's an number eight team going against an unranked team on the road. It's all the trends point towards Iowa State. But the thing is, Oklahoma State owns Iowa State. Iowa State with Brock Purdy is 11 and two in the month of October. He has 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Five of those picks are against Oklahoma State, and two all both of those losses out in that eleven and two October record are to Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy, he's a man. He's forty, and he owns uh, Iowa State and Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and all those guys. I like Oklahoma State plus seven and a half. Uh, I. I think I will sprinkle on the money line as well. I, I think it's just an overreaction uh, to a team that Vegas thought was going to be very good before the year. Same kind of fade that I've been doing against Wisconsin all year long. Uh, I think Wisconsin, Iowa State, a couple of these other teams were expected to be playoff contenders. Vegas hasn't really fully adjusted that power ranking. So I'm kind of trying to capitalize against that. All right, that's the podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on TikTok, follow us on if you still got a Facebook, go ahead and follow us there. Uh, and subscribe on YouTube and uh, rate, review, subscribe on anywhere you can get podcasts. We will see you Monday. Good luck to Simo the Savage. Good luck. Who knows Go what's Dame. going on by Monday? Go Notre Dame beat USC. Uh, the Bush push. Oh, I love the Bush push. Bush push.